0: We seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Pastor Mark. So thank Pastor Mark for covering for us while we were gone. We appreciate him filling in and just watching over the day-to-days and just handling everything as as the week went on. And so we're we're so thankful we have an amazing staff to be able to weekend and the board was allowed us to take a couple Sundays off, and we appreciate that. It was fun. We had a great time. Uh, we spent some time in Oklahoma, not a lot. Um, we spent a few time, few days with my folks, a couple with her folks, and then we actually came back um, because the kids wanted to be a part of some of the stuff the youth was going. But what that afforded Melissa and I to do something we have not done in. I'm even afraid to guess how many years. It's been a number of years. So we celebrated our 24th anniversary a few weeks ago. And so for that, uh, yeah, we... uh, (laughs) So we came back early so we could go away. So Melissa and I got to go away for a few days just by ourselves. No kids, which hasn't happened in... Many, many years, and so it was it was good. It was fun we we had, had a good time and so just thank you for allowing us to do that. I want to thank Pastor Mark for covering. Thanks Pastor Jonathan for covering last week, and uh, I so appreciate that. We actually snuck in last week. If you didn't see us, we snuck into Sunday school. We got to set in Sunday school, which is something we we never get to do, and so we enjoyed hearing Brother Danny bring the word in the the Sunday school upstairs, and so we loved it and appreciated that. And we got we slept it slipped into second service and heard Pastor Jonathan speak. He did a wonderful job. If you missed the last Sunday, you missed it, and so we we just so appreciate Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Macy, and this their their hearts, and so we're glad to be back and saying that we've got a lot of built-up words that need to be said, right? And so just hang on this morning, because I got a lot for you. No, I'm kidding. We'll try to keep it short and sweet. But one thing I did want to present to you this morning is um, 2021 is here. And we had high hopes, didn't we, for about one day or two days. We had high hopes for 2021. And then it just tanked. And then it's like, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? And now it's, it's like, what in the world are we in store for? And so what has been on our heart, and Melissa and I's heart, we actually talked about it when we were away on our trip, um, talked about we wanted to do a, a fast this year to start off the fast, and we wanted it to start on the first, but because of things happening, things, the way things were, it didn't happen. And so what I want to do today is today we want, to, we want to start a church-wide fast. And again, you're no obligation to be a part of this. You don't have to if you don't want to. But we really feel like God is, is ordering our steps and ordering us and wanting us to do a 21-day fast, starting today till the 31st, till the last Sunday of the month. Uh, we want to do a fast. And so what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, It does not mean you have to give up food if you do not want to. If you want to, good, great, that's awesome. But if you're like, I cannot live without food, then you don't have to give up food. What what I want to challenge you to do is find something that maybe occupies maybe your time or maybe your mind and give that up. Maybe if it is food for you, maybe give up. And don't be one of those people. Now, here's a, here's a great thing I want to lay out. God knows your heart, right? So don't be one of those say, I'm giving up breakfast. Well, you don't eat breakfast. <laughs> right? And so your breakfast consists of coffee. And so that, I don't know if technically that would count. You know, God sees your heart, so he knows, you know. And so here's my challenge is you would give up something that is important to you. You know, maybe little Debbies are important in your life. (laughs) Maybe you do not go a day without having a little Debbie. I'm just saying, it might be something to give up. Because you want something that, that it, it, it costs you something to do this, right? And so maybe you give up that meal. Maybe you say, okay, I'm giving up breakfast, I'm giving up lunch, I'm giving up coffee, Um, maybe you're saying, I'm giving up social media for the next 21 days. That would be tough. But social media is a great, great example, because on social media, what do you do? Throughout your day, you pull out this thing, and you just, right? All times throughout the day, even before you go to bed, you pull out this thing, you got to get updated. What about instead of checking, every time you pull this out, every time you're tempted to pull this out and check on social media... You pull it out, but then you set it down and spend the next few moments just talking with Jesus. That would be a great fast. That would be something very, because it's very intentional, right? It costs you something because you want to look and see what everybody else is doing. And so that's a great example of something to fast. And so again, we're not asking you, we're not saying you have to not eat a single thing for next 21 days i'm not asking that of you i'm asking pray and see what the lord lays in your heart to give up for these next 21 days but again make it something impactful make it something that you'll have to actually stop and think about okay i'm not doing this but i'm giving this to jesus the next few moments and when we pray and when we fast we believe god's going to do great things and kind of our launching point for this is going to be in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 14. And many of you know this verse. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and what? And heal their lands. Amen. Is that not what we need today? Amen. And so that's how we want to start off this new year. And so I pray that you pray about joining us in that. And we'll be putting stuff out on social media that you won't see if you fast social media. <laughs> so we'll test you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but again, we'll be we'll be announcing every service. We'll be saying something about it, encouraging you guys, and hopefully hopefully that we as a, a church body can join together and just let's pray for this year. Pray that God will do the miraculous through this year. Pray that God will give us love that we've never seen before. That's what we need. We need love. love To love people who are unlovable. And there's a lot of people right now who are being very unlovable. And we need that in our lives. We need to get closer to him. That's something God is challenging me with this year. How, how close can I get to Jesus this year? Because the closer we get to him, guess what? It's going to be every part of your life better. And so let's just, let's just pray these next 21 days that God will do the miraculous. And in saying that, so today we're going to start a new series. And I, I warned you about it. We're going to go into discipleship and talk about discipleship, what it means, what it looks like, uh, what does it mean to be a disciple. And um, after this, I want to give you a little heads up. After this, we're going to go into a book study. And, you know, that's what we like to do here at Brighton. We like to pick a book of the Bible and just walk through it. And so after discipleship, we're going to be landing in the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is not a long book. Many of you know the story of Ruth. It's a great story, but it's an incredible story about faithfulness. And there's so many nuggets in the book of Ruth. This when you start out in the book of Ruth. You see that this man takes his family from Bethlehem, a place of blessing, to Moab. And I mean, there's a sermon just right there, the representation of Bethlehem and Moab. And so there's so many great nuggets out of the book of Ruth that we're going to walk through. And we're going to see the faithfulness of this woman who returns to Bethlehem and see how God blesses her through her faithfulness. And it's an incredible journey, and if you've not read through the book of Ruth, I encourage you to go ahead and do some pre-reading. Again, it's only like four chapters, and so it's, it's not a long book, uh, but it's very impactful of what God will do through your faithfulness. And so that kind of gives you a heads up of where we're headed, where we're going to be, and I'm excited about that. But this morning... We're talking about discipleship and I thought, okay, where do we start with discipleship? There's so much information about discipleship. What what I feel like God has laid this in my heart is because I believe that the church needs disciples. And disciples means that you're gonna be a disciple of Jesus, but then you're gonna take it a step further. If you're a disciple, you're gonna make disciples. Now, I think that's what we need right now as a church body. We need people who say, yes, I am going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That means I'm going to disciple others. That means I'm going to ask everybody around me, hey, go on this journey with me. I don't know where we're going, but it's a lot of fun. Let's go. Let's see what the Lord is saying to us. Let's maybe do a book, say. Let's look look at the book of Ruth. Let's go to the book of Matthew. Let's let's do something. Let's have coffee. Just once a week to see how you're doing. That's discipleship. That's discipling somebody else. That's something I think the church may have lost a little sight on. Is we, we would raise our hands. I see if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ here. Many of you would raise your hand. But I ask to show you, show me your fruits. That gets a little bit more challenging. I don't care what stage of life you're in, where you're at, you're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That means you're called to disciple others around you. And that's something we have to have. That's how we reach this community of over 11,000 people who are unreached. That's how it is accomplished. But, okay, where do we start? There's so much information. Okay, I want you to know what it's going to cost you. Right? You, mean, you ever sat through one of the timeshare presentations? You know, we, we sat through one. We, we got the when we first moved to Springfield. We went to Bass Pro and we got suckered in, right? Yeah. Hey, you can only have 50, 50 bucks. You got like two nights, a beautiful condo. I mean, yeah, it was awesome, right? But you got to go through the presentation. And so we go through the presentation. They lay out all the beautiful things about it, right? And then they go show you another guy. And he tells you what it's going to cost you. Right? This is what it's going to cost you. Now are you willing to do it? And so, What a great place to start this morning. This is what it's going to cost you, and are you willing to do it? This is discipleship, and it's going to cost you total surrender. And so this morning we're going to consider this kind of following of Jesus and what God is saying to us. I want to go back to a very familiar portion of Scripture in Mark. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 10. We've been there before. We're going to go back there today and see what Lord is telling us about total surrender. In Mark chapter 10, we read a story about a gentleman. He isn't given a name. Your title in your Bible may say the rich young ruler. And let me read this portion to you. This is where we're going to be in verse 17. And he was setting out on his journey. A man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, they're talking about Jesus, good teacher. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So we know he is a rich young ruler. It's likely he had heard somewhere before that Jesus had this one thing available. That Jesus had something he couldn't find anywhere else. That he could get from Jesus something it was precious. And so you can imagine, as rich young ruler, he collected the precious things of the world, right? And so he hears that Jesus is offering eternal life. Well, come on, who doesn't want that, right? And so as rich young ruler, he wanted to get in on that. He wanted to get in on eternal life. He had everything else, so why not this? And he's very used to getting what he wants. And so as we read the gospel, it's always important to keep in mind, and we we tried to instill this in you, we want biblical literacy, right? And so as we read through the gospels, if we want a complete story, we kind of need to look at the whole whole book, right? And so today, before we get into this, what I want to talk about, I think we need to look at the portion of scripture that precedes this. Because this really gives us the key to what we're going to talk about today. And so the story that proceeds, we find back a few verses in verse 13. And Mark tells the people were bringing these little children to Jesus. And let me read that to you this morning. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And his the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, blessed them, laying his hands on them. And so Jesus says to his disciples, these kids, they're a living picture. They're a living example of the kind of trust and the kind of acceptance that That's needed to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it looks like. This childlike innocence. That's what you need to be a follower of Jesus. He says the kingdom of God belongs to people like these. People who respond like children. As we we read on, I think we'll see see that there's a connection between this incident and what's happening with the rich young ruler. And that's where I want to kind of tie things together. In fact, there's a stark contrast there. Here there is uncluttered simplicity of a child's heart, right? The kind of knowing Jesus is seeking. The kind of following him. It's just that pure innocence, right? This is who Jesus is. You want to follow Jesus? Yes. Yes, I do. This is what you'll have to do. Okay. That childlike innocence. And then we read the story about an adult and in the story of the adult, we see complications, don't we? We see tanglements, and they're part of the adult experience, right? Well, now that I'm an adult, things are different. Now that I'm an adult, I'm not going to respond the same way as I was a child. As a child, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. What's it going to cost me? Yeah, that's okay, because I don't have anything, so we're good there, right? But as an adult, now everything changes, doesn't it? Because now we have things. We have possessions. We have responsibilities. We have obligations now as adults. And so now when he asks to give everything up, now we're like, oh, hang on a second. You're saying total surrender? It's hang on. I don't like the sound of that. The obstacles to faith that we face, but as kids, we wouldn't know of. so as we walk through this in mark chapter 10 verse 17 jesus started on his way a man ran up to him fell on his knees before him good teacher he asked, what must i do to inherit eternal life it's a simple question it seems this incident happened in public view there's people there's a crowd around a wealthy powerful man pleads on his knees with jesus for eternal life in the public setting, is important to remember because people were all around watching and listening to this. There was a crowd. Crowds followed Jesus everywhere, always seeking a miracle or maybe some free food or clever words. But Jesus wasn't chasing the crowds. He was okay with them being around, but he really, what he really wanted to do, he really wanted to figure out who was playing the main game, who were his disciples, and who are the genuine followers? That's what Jesus wanted to know. Always people around, always crowds. This morning there's there's a good crowd here this morning. Still Jesus is, is still trying to figure out who's playing a game, who are the disciples, and who are the genuine followers. Jesus was very popular amongst the ordinary people for much of his ministry, but only a small minority Actually, finished up as true followers. If you look at it, this man before him now—you know—what was he likely to become? We know we've read the story. He he comes to Jesus, asks for eternal life. It seems a fair, fairly self-centered question, doesn't it? And Jesus asks him a few questions. Okay, why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. You know the commandments: don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal don't give false testimony, don't defraud, honor your mother and father. And this man, you know, you can picture this rich young ruler always getting what he wants. He's probably just saying it as, yes, 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 yes. You know, I'm, I'm a good Jew. I'm familiar with the rules. I've done all these things. I haven't really done anything wrong. I'm a good guy. If you read this, as you're reading this, if you're like me, I kind of imagine this guy maybe cutting Jesus off, don't you? And Jesus saying, okay, well, you got to do these things, you got to do this. You can imagine him interrupting, hey, yeah, 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 I know all that. I know, I've done all that, I've done that, I'm, I, just give me the bottom line here. Just tell me what, what I need and let me go my way. What do I have to do? Give me the good and let's get on with my life. Does that sound familiar? People constantly coming up to me as a pastor, as a minister. Okay, okay, what about this? Just tell me, this, the bottom line for me, can I do this and still get to heaven? Bottom line, is this, so, is this acceptable? Can I get away with this? That's what people want to know. This is what the rich young ruler want to know. What is it going to take? And notice his next statement. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I think that's very powerful for us to see this morning. Jesus loved this man. In his desperate, self-centered seeking for this thing called eternal life, Jesus loved him. He didn't get angry with him because he was coming with the wrong motives or because he was being pushy or because he was being difficult. No, Jesus loved him. If you're here today grappling with what it means for you to follow Jesus, maybe you need to hear that. Jesus loves you. However you come to him, whatever's going on in your life, if it's healthy, if it's not healthy, if it's ugly, if it's not, Jesus loves you. That's what you need to know first and foremost. Even if right now you have no concept of God's love for you, it doesn't change the fact that he loves you this morning. It's out of that love for the man that Jesus makes his next statement. There is just one thing you lack. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Wow. What a thing to ask. I mean, rich young ruler, right? And you said, okay, you've done all these things. Go sell everything you have. Don't take the money, don't put it in the bank. But go sell everything you have, give everything away to the poor. To someone who just wanted to sign off for an eternal deal, Jesus says, this is a bit bigger than that. Okay, so I want you to consider for a moment. Allow yourself to consider. Allow yourself to be that man. Be the rich young ruler for a moment. You come to Jesus. You want what he's offering, eternal life, peace, purpose, hope. And his call to you is to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. This means all his property. All his possessions, his 401, 3CK, all that. Get rid of it all. How would you feel? How would you feel right now to sell the cars, to sell the house, empty the bank accounts, to only have the bare necessities for life? That's not a comfortable thought, is it? That's a scary thought if you really put yourself in their shoes. This is what Jesus is asking of the man. Would you do it if you were him? Now, I'm not saying this morning Jesus asked every one of us to sell everything we have and give it to the poor. That's That's not a requirement to become a follower of Jesus. But this is what Jesus is asking of this man. But what if he did say that to us? How would you respond? How would you respond? So, well, Pastor, that's silly. He wouldn't, you know, he doesn't ask that of me today. Okay. How would you respond if he asked you to give up social media for the rest of your life? How would you respond if he asked you to give up the hobby that you so love? How would you respond if he asked you to give up watching baseball? How would you respond if he asked something of you that was important to you? And some of you are asking, okay, well, well, hang on a second, Pastor. Do you think that Jesus really would have allowed him to go through with this? You know, do you think you would send him off he said, No, oh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I just tested to see if you're going to do it. You know, what do you think? I mean, what the story doesn't tell us. Would Jesus really allow someone to give up everything this way? Isn't that kind of irresponsible? I think Jesus would have let him do it. I truly do. In my heart, I think Jesus was asking him to do it. Why? Because then the rich young ruler, this powerful, totally self-centered young man, would be what? He would be completely dependent on Jesus. That's where Jesus wanted this man. Completely dependent upon him. Complete, think about that. Completely dependent upon Jesus. That is a hard pill to swallow. Every one of you in here this morning, whether you want to admit it or not, that's a hard pill to swallow. Completely dependent upon Jesus. Why? Because we like to handle our own. I can do it. I can take care of that. I can fix this. I can change this. I can do better. I can make this work. I can. It's all about us, isn't it? But to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus, he wants to be all about him. He's the first one we turn to when we have a problem in our marriage. It's not, well, I can do better. I can do this. I can do that. He wants to be the solution. You have financial struggle, struggles. You may have to get a job. You may have to work extra time. But he wants to be the first one you go to. He wants to be the one you depend on. In your life right now, ask yourself, am I solely, truly, wholly dependent upon Jesus in my life? I'll be honest. That's tough. That's tough. I think it may be tougher for men because we like to handle our own. If you're a spouse or a girlfriend, you know men love to give advice on what you should do. It's just in our DNA. But Jesus asked this rich, powerful, totally self-centered, self-sufficient young man to be completely dependent upon him. If he did that, they need to discover that Jesus is his security and is his hope that Jesus was a source of life and here is eternal life Jesus calling him to be a disciple to completely rework his life rework his values and follow him that nothing in life is more important than Jesus and he recognized that you know mother Teresa once said you'll never know Jesus is all you need Until Jesus is all you have. Some of us may never make that discovery. But my question for you this morning is how many of us call Jesus our hope and our security when he really is not? It's easy to amen. It's easy to say, yeah, he's my hope, he's my security. But is he really are you solely, holy, truly dependent upon Jesus? That's what a disciple is. That's where discipleship starts. That's the only way it can start. What does that do to our relationship with him? What does it say about this Christian faith that we're a part of? In verse 22, Mark writes, "A man, The man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. He knew the consequences of his choice. He saw Jesus wasn't negotiating. He wasn't saying, okay, just sell half of it. Just tease him, with you? So what did this rich young ruler do? We read the story. He chose his money over Jesus. You know, sometimes I, I think we're too hard on this guy and too soft on ourselves. We read the story we're like, oh, what a joker. Come on. Don't you know that if you'd done this, you'd have eternal life. You had this, you had this. Yet Jesus proposes the same question to your eye. Do you want to be a disciple? Do you want to be a follower? Well, this is what it means to give up everything you have. I'm not saying you got to go sell everything. I'm saying he's the most important thing, that you're solely, wholly, truly dependent on Jesus. He's the first one you turn to. He's your answer. Any question you got, he's the answer. I think many of us read this and thought, well, what a dummy. He, he just doesn't get it. It's all about trusting Jesus. He came in trust. And yet I, I feel like we get it at a cognitive level, level. But do we really get it? Do you really get it this morning? Because what psychologists will tell you, that when, when we're told that we genu- when we genuinely believe something, we act on it. When we genuinely believe something, we act on it, and it changes our behavior. Right? If not, it just sets in our mind as a good ideal. It's a good idea to be following Jesus, it's a good idea to be a disciple. But where's the fruit? Has it changed your behavior? So, what would you do? Would you be prepared to follow Jesus? Like he called us, like he called this man to. To surrender the things we've been banking on for our happiness, our security. Let me ask you that again to surrender the things you've been banking on for your happiness and your security. Maybe for you it's not money. What have you been banking on for your happiness, for your security? Maybe it is your retirement fund, which is not looking too good right now, probably. Maybe it is that relationship, maybe it is that marriage, maybe it is that job. Maybe it is those kids, maybe it is those grandkids. It's all about that. And that's what you find your your security, your happiness in. And all along Jesus staying there say, "Hey, you want to be a disciple, you want to be a follower, then I'm going to be first." In essence, Jesus is calling him to trust him completely, to get let go of anything that could stand in the way or lure him away from a life of discipleship. This means to be single-minded in his devotion. For this man, his money, his wealth, his status, he couldn't give it up. He couldn't do it. And for some of us who read that story, we're like, well, this is, this is kind of disturbing. It's challenging. And you're like, why did Jesus do this? Why, why, would he, why would he? This man came to him. Why would Jesus send him away? Here's what boils down to for you and I this morning, because he is seeking followers and not fans. I think there's a lot of fans in the church today. They're a lot of of want-to-be disciples. They're, They're fans of Jesus. They're fans of what he represents. They're fans of the stories. They're fans of church. They're fans of the community we have within the church body. They're fans of coming, greeting each other, singing the songs, the songs they grew up with. They're fans of that. But they're not followers. He wants people to be converted and not convinced. Kierkegaard once said, to become an admirer of Jesus, it's much easier than to become a follower. There's a lot of admirers. You can admire from a distance and be relatively unaffected, can't you? But followers will have their lives turned upside down. That's what it means to be a disciple. If the gospel doesn't turn your life upside down, then we really need to ask, are we followers of Jesus Christ? There's an article that once said this. It said, It is possible today for a person to come into the cultural pattern of the church without having met the head of the church. Let me read that to you one more time. It is possible today for a person to come into the cultural pattern of the church without having met the head of the church. We wonder why the church as a whole doesn't have the power to transform lives to shake society at its roots because we got a lot of fans and not a lot of followers. I love the image of the church shaking society at the very roots. That's what it's capable of doing if we have a church full of disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what the church is called to do. That's what we are supposed to do to impact our community, to shake this community for the gospel of Jesus Christ it happened in the first century and it happened again if God's agenda becomes more important than their own agenda you're like pastor you're being pretty rough on us today I'm not saying we can't be happy can't have a wonderful life as long as Jesus is ahead of that as long as he's the number one as long as he's our everything everything I have is only because of Jesus I stand before you here today as a knucklehead. Only by the grace of God. I recognize that. I am nothing without him. I have a blessed life. But I recognize it's only through him that I have that. If we followed with simple childlike trust rather than a convoluted adult, reasoning out skepticism and fear. If people were converted to Jesus rather than in a culture and pattern, Jesus would not take the rich young man on his own terms. If we did all these things, it would totally change the face of our community. Because when you have that, when you have that in a pit of your heart, that this is who you are only because of the grace of God, I have all this only through the grace of God. I have a beautiful life only through the grace of God. I have some wonderful children only by the grace of God. That excitement inside of you should do something. It should expound you to go share that with somebody else. Hey, look at this. Look at all that God has done for me. Hey, let's walk through this. Let me tell you how God did this through me. Let me buy you coffee and let you see what God did for me this week. That's discipleship. You can't help but share that. Why? Because he's your everything. He's the one you turn to when you're in trouble. He's the one that's there. Why? Because he is your everything. I think maybe we need to admit that the man in the story is more like us than we'd like, to, like for him to be. And that the question he faces is the same way when we face day after day. And I think that we easily overestimate our commitment to discipleship. And yet the truth only emerges when we when it gets tested. And this man was tested. He made a choice. Part of me actually wants to say, Well done. Because he showed integrity by not just playing the part. He sat in a church Sunday after Sunday. He said, No, I'm not willing to pay the cost. He walked away. Maybe he came back. Maybe he didn't. We don't know. And I'm sure it was hard for Jesus to walk him away. He loved this man. He clearly, the scripture says, he loved him. He wanted him to be disciple. He wanted his loyalty. But this man made his choice. So Jesus, I'm going to say it again. Jesus called disciples followers and not admirers and i think you understand that the day and age we live in that we cannot be admirers and survive in this world the things that are going on the things we're seeing on the news i think you can't walk this life being an admirer it's going to chew you up and spit you out There's a pastor and he's speaking to some church leaders and he said this. He said, the leading assumption in the American church today is that you can be a Christian but not a disciple. That has placed a tremendous burden on the mass of Christians who are not true disciples. We tell them to come to church, participate in programs, give money, but we see a church that knows nothing of commitment. We have settled for the marginal and so we carry this awful burden of trying to motivate people to do. What they don't want to do. We can't think about church the way we have been. I think God is calling us, I know God is calling us back to a life of discipleship. Jesus allowed the crowds to hang around, but he wasn't after them. He wanted disciples. Let me just clearly say this were not perfect people, just people who are willing to follow him and to face up the issues that go on with that people who are teachable open willing to what he asks that's what jesus is looking for the man walked away mark writes that jesus taught them about the struggle wealthy people have to enter the kingdom of god but he says it is possible then in verse 28 peter pipes up and says lord We've left everything to follow you. Don't miss this because it's kind of crucial. Peter thinks out loud. We've already done what you've asked us to do. Well, what if Jesus set a different bar for the rich guy? Would Peter still be willing to follow them then? You see? What Jesus was asking was normal practice for a disciple. When Jesus called people, he called them to that kind of existence. Not of poverty, but to complete Faith and trust in Him to surrender of their lives to Him. And again, that's the sticking point, I think. We get back to the sticking point. A total surrender to Jesus. A total surrender to what He wants, not what you want. And that's not fun, is it? We like to be in the driver's seat, we like to be in control, we like to do what we want. Go where we want. Watch what we want. Participate in what we want. But now we're saying, hang on, I've got to put all that aside to what Jesus wants? Yeah. To a trusting, childlike faith. And that's why the story that precedes this one is so important in connecting the two. Because Jesus made some big ask of people, and he knew that many would not respond. He goes on to tell us of the, na- the narrow gate that people have to walk through. The disciples would be a minority. The good soil is hard to find. Its disciples that Jesus calls. He-, he goes on to share more. So my question to you this morning is, how come there are so many admirers and so few followers Good news are, is that the disciples aren't rocket science scientists. They're just people who surrender themselves. Peter, James, and John, we know they weren't the brightest bulbs in a bunch. But what were they? They were open to growing and learning. That's where the Lord wants us. Who doesn't want to grow? Who doesn't want to learn? I want to learn. That's why this year I want to grow closer to Him than I've ever been before. I want to learn more about Him than I've ever learned before. I want to know Him. I want to know His voice like I've never... That's all He's asking of you. To be in that attitude of, I want to learn, I want to grow. I want to surrender to Him. That's a disciple. A disciple is a learner. Not one who has it all together. That should be good news for some of you. It's not somebody who has it all together. It's somebody who wants to learn. I think we'd love to live and surrender to Jesus, but we fear. We balk it at times. Yet something in us knows that this is where life really is found. That's where faith really is found. In total surrender to Jesus. So this morning I'm asking you, are you a follower or are you a fan? Because going forward, what Brighton needs what God is calling us to do. We need disciples. We need those who say, I, I've, I've seen the, I've, I've tallied the cost. I know what this is going to cost me. This is going to cost me saying goodbye to some friends that are not healthy in my life. This may cost me by saying goodbye to some habits in my life. This may cost me by saying yes to the Lord in some areas. That I'm not comfortable in. This will cost, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating it. This is going to cost you. But all the benefits. <laughs> all the benefits of living in his grace and living in his mercy and learning about him. How you can see stuff and you can have conversations with people who totally disagree with you and you can show them love. That's not natural, but that's what the Lord has to offer for you today. To see the giant that's going on TV, instead of angering you, it you and instead of getting your blood pressure high, it causes you to start praying for those. That's what the Lord can do in your life. Well, that's what total surrenders does. He gives you a love that you don't have that you can experience without total surrenders to him this morning. So I want to challenge you this morning. Don't sit here and look at me and say, well, I've been in church 30 years. Are you a follower or are you a fan? Do you love the culture of church or do you love Jesus? Do you stand this morning and say, I'm in total surrender of you, Jesus, whatever you ask of me? Maybe he's asking you to go talk to that neighbor. Maybe he's asking you to start a Bible study at your work. Maybe he's asked you to give to a certain area that's a need. I don't know. I don't know what total surrender looks like for you. But that's what he asked, and that's what we need to impact our community. Because what happens when you total surrender to Jesus? What happens when you take the discipleship model to where you start discipling somebody else? Compound interest. I love compound interest. That's what it is. I disciple you, you disciple somebody else, they disciple somebody else. Before you know it, we reach 11,578 people for Jesus Christ. Something that I can't do by myself, Pastor Mark can't do by himself. But if you do it, those you disciple do it, those they disciple do it, come on, somebody. That's where it gets exciting. Would you stand with us this morning? This is the cost to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It will cost you something. Maybe pride. Maybe you got to swallow your pride and say, okay, I surrender to you, O Lord. But I think the bigger question is for many of us in here this morning, you to ask yourself, are you a fan? Have you been playing the part? Or are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Because the time and age that we're in We can't afford for you to be a fan. You won't survive if you're a fan. We need followers of Jesus Christ who are in total surrender to Him. Dearly Father, follow, Lord God? I pray this morning, if there's anyone in here that does not know you, Lord God, or maybe there's some fans in here, some admirers in here, Lord God, I pray that this morning, That you get a hold of their hearts, Lord. Lord, let them offer themselves in total surrender to you this morning. Whatever they're holding on to, whatever little piece they're like, okay, you can have everything but this. Lord, I pray that they surrender all to you this morning, Lord Jesus. God, they give everything they have to you, Lord Jesus. Say, Lord, here I am. All that I have, all that I am, I offer to you this morning, Father. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I've saw the cost, I know the cost, I'm willing to accept it. I'm all yours, Lord. Jesus, Lord, I pray that you make disciples this morning and not followers. Lord, I pray that we take it to heart this morning what a disciple is. That's a person, maybe that does not have it all together, but lives in total surrender and saying, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to grow, I'm willing to be in you, Lord. I pray this morning that you challenge every heart, Lord God, to examine themselves and be honest with themselves of where they're at with you. Lord, we need disciples. We need disciples to make disciples. We need to impact our community, Lord, like never before. We need to show the love of God in ways that people will not understand, Lord God. And it only happens by you, Lord. So pray, I pray that you make disciples this morning. And we surrender to you. In your precious holy name we pray. Amen, amen. These altars are open as always. I want to challenge you guys.